This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hey, this is Harley Kortz, CEO of Nooklin, and what I love about real estate is meeting people. Why is a brand that is personified by cool, hip, local culture in an industry historically dominated by stodgy established brands simply crushing it with rentals and roommate discovery, expecting to grow its New York City army of agents by more than 300 in the next year alone? Could it be because of the CEO's background as the founder of a skateboard company? Or because the company went from being a local blog to a real estate company that has moved more than 17,000 renters. Or perhaps it's because they're onto something game-changing. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With real estate tech entrepreneur Thomas Kutzman and business development expert, Scott Pollock. Harley, thanks for being with us today. I want to get right into things and Mm -hmm. propose a topic. You, everything you read about your experiences so far, your recent recent articles about yourself and about Nooklin, brings to light a very important topic about diversity and the sort of atypical... CEO, atypical management team. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that's contributed to your early success thus far? I would say that, you know, coming into real estate from, I mean, I, I, I started a skateboard company out of high school. So coming into real estate with a different perspective on uh, both leadership and building a team uh, has tremendously helped us in all ways. I mean, just like we're a very collaborative company, we're a very mission-driven company, and we're also a very entrepreneurial company. And so I think that has definitely set us apart. Um, so. Who is the team? Maybe tell us a little bit more about kind of the folks that, that you've been able to bring on board, especially given a unique background. You know, we sure. haven't heard many folks in the real estate world that came from skateboarding and yeah. uh, and the like. Um, I mean, on we our, our CTO is uh, Moise Malik, and I met him. I was actually moving him into the building, uh, like I was renting him an apartment, and that's how we met initially. And he was uh, fixing computers for for us for a little while. Um, but him and I hit it off right away, and and started building the first version of the platform. And uh, Joseph, I actually met. So I kind of I think the the best way to kind of explain this is to give you kind of some context to yeah, it, that'd be great. which is that. So I ran a skateboard company out of high school for uh, three four years, and uh, when the recession hit, uh, the skateboard company failed. Were you, were you making skateboards? Yeah, we were making skateboards, uh, t-shirts, pads, wheels, bearings, everything. Yeah. Uh, so we had you know uh, national distribution. We were selling that every you know uh, all the local skate shops, and we were going on tour and touring around the country. And so when the recession hit, our investor pulled out and uh, I couldn't I couldn't put out our next batch of boards and, you know, put that I didn't have any any capital to do that. A lot of skate shops owed us money at the time. So, you know, I at that point got evicted. Uh, 
you know, sold my van, sold everything I owned, and I became the superintendent of a 140-unit building. That seems like a bit of a, a leap. How did that happen? Well, uh, at that time, I, I was basically just living on people's couches, and so my buddy Taylor uh, had an opening there, a, a, a development that was, and he was a leasing agent at the property. Mm-hmm. And so I got in and, and got an apartment as a result, so I had a place to, to crash. Mm-hmm. And after a few months, I just realized all of, I, I met all of these interesting real estate brokers coming in and out of the, the property. Uh, and I was like, immediately was like, I can do that. Uh, I know a lot of people in New York. And so I started renting apartments on my skateboard and I started renting about 30 apartments a month uh, in Bushwick. And so early on, I started Nooklin as my blog. And it was just because if you went on Craigslist, all of the photos were out of date. Uh, all of the apartments were, you know, uh, like like literally just reposts, like just hundreds and hundreds of reposts. So you had to filter through a hundred pages of content to find an actual apartment. And so I, the blog, I simply just kept my photos up to date in real time with real photos, and it drew a big audience. And it was kind of somewhat unexpected. And so my phone would not stop ringing. And as a result, I had to hire real estate agents. And that was how Nooklin was born in the beginning. And what do you think was different about the blog that was drawing people to that? Uh, I think a lot of things. I mean, it was black and yellow. I I've, I love Wu-Tang my whole life. I've always <laughs> loved Wu-Tang. And so uh, I think this was um, on Blogger at that time. So you didn't have much choice. You yeah. could just like, you know, insert, you know, font and color. And, right. and that was it. And so... Uh, but that and the fact that all of the content was just there and up to date and easily accessible. I updated in real time. So if a, uh, an apartment got let, rented, I wrote rented. And just the simple fact that you could see that the apartment was rented and, you know, uh, made all the difference. And did this differ than just any other real estate listings at the time? Yeah, for 100%. I mean, nobody was keeping accurate listing data. Uh, and it still is that way and still very fragmented and it's uh, still very antiquated. And why do you think it hasn't modernized as fast as other industries? So real estate has been slow to adopt technology for a lot of reasons, but uh, real estate did not grow up with technology fundamentally, uh, you know, and, and as a result has treated technology as an accessory. So they're like, oh, here's a, mar- I can do marketing here. Oh, I can, uh, you know, post my listings here and I can do, you know, so every little bit I can to get a photographers on this site but so if you talk to anybody in real estate they'll say oh yeah we have technology but what they're talking about is you know a hundred businesses that they can you know log into and and use as their technology but they haven't integrated as a core asset of their business and the other thing that they've done is uh, you know uh, real estate with not understanding uh, data and technology um, is given away all of their listing data and when you give away all your listing data, you have no more control. That's like if Airbnb suddenly was like, oh, you know, forget it. We'll just give the hotels all of our listings. You know, if Uber was like, hey, you know what? Let Lyft have, you know, <laughs> like, you know, what I'm saying it's like yeah. you can't just give away your core asset, uh, which is, you know, uh, and so that uh, has. And I think, you know, this year uh, we're finally starting to see that people are understanding that now, you know, the Street Easy and Zillow have really uh, shaken up the real estate market because, you know, people go from advertising platform to advertising platform. And, um, and, and as a result of giving away their data, they are paying so much for lead acquisition. And they're so heavily reliant on, uh, 
you know, third parties to do all of their work. So, you know, what are you then if, if, if you've given away all of your job? Now, do you publish your stuff to Street Easy? Because a lot of the bigger name brands have decided mm-hmm. to restrict yeah. the sharing of their information to the likes of Street Easy. Yeah. How, so, how have you approached that topic? So we're not Rebney members. We don't feed our listings to RLS. We don't feed our listings. We don't use any uh, listings in or out of our platform other than manually. So we'll manually post stuff to Street Easy. Um, to you know gain some attention for certain listings but we don't give away all of our data at once and i mean our secret sauce so to speak is is that you go to nooklin and you can find roommates you can find an apartment and on the listing itself when you're looking at a listing you'll find other interested renters you can connect with and you can apply and pay directly through that uh which gives renters control over the application and payment process and truly changes the sales cycle. And when you change the sales cycle and you give renters control over the negotiation, application, payment process, finding roommates, finding sublets, that's, in uh, my mind, true disruption. And so, you know, we're just plucking away at at removing all the friction uh, for a renter. So we're very renter centric. So let me just try to put that into context. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, doing all the application and payments and all that stuff yeah. through through Nuclin and online, how does that differ than uh, kind of the, the norm today? Well, normally you would, you know, go to a third party site, you know, like a middleman, so to speak, uh, whether it be Zillow or Street Easy or Naked Apartments or Craigslist even still I mean, the majority of the country is on Craigslist. I mean, it's only New York that we are really prominently on Street Easy, at least in the rental space. Uh, sales somewhat different. People are, but again, it's all fragmented. So you have to go to a different uh, middleman, and then you have to go to an office and fill out paperwork and spend, you know, uh, a, a few days of your life feeding paperwork to, you know, a broker, and you have no control over the process. Um, and uh, you also, you know, can't can't find renters i mean you know can't find other renters very easily and so the whole process is just very uh you know archaic now given the platform is so robust as far as application mm-hmm. putting more control in the hands of the uh, hands of the actual renters yeah do you see the idea of agents going away cuz i've you know recently read that you have 250 mm-hmm. you know plus agents and you're expanding you know yeah. very rapidly where do you see the sort of marriage between the technology platform and the and the human part of the experience? I mean, great technology is still reliant on humans. And I think that what agents aren't good at is taking photos, tracking deals, keeping data security on on your your you know social security numbers and private information. They're not good at a lot of these tasks that we're removing from the agent just makes them more productive. Uh, and we can use uh, our database as CRM or, you know, get, we're getting into like machine learning for that, you know, so we can really take that and amplify what it means to be a real estate agent and really focus on just the customer experience uh, versus just paperwork. And, you know, is, isn't though that I feel like there's a trend in industries where agents or humans have been an intermediary where mm-hmm. over time they, they kind of go away. And you think about, you know, yeah, you were saying before mm-hmm. real estate is an industry that's maybe lagging mm-hmm. in terms of adoption of technology, but let's look at another one that's probably um, been in the same boat, which is finance. And, sure. and 
trading online in the you know late 90s early 2000s was something where previously you had you wanted to buy stock you had to go through an agent yep. and then e-trade and others come out and you can automate that process and mm -hmm. and agents start to go away brokers start to go away do you think that yeah. that is a, a, you know, not an inevitability in the real estate world i mean highly regulated markets have been the last to adopt technology um I think the the thing to remember, though, is that this is someone's biggest purchase they're going to make in a year. Uh, some people will do it all uh, without a broker, for sure. We 10% of our deals are done without uh, an agent currently. So uh, just all online, uh, not seeing the apartment physically. But the majority of people are still going to want to access the apartment and see see that they're not looking at a brick wall and that the stove works and the hot water works. And I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Uh, so until we have, you know, uh, autonomous real estate agents or something, you know, like, I don't know, you know, until we have robots who can open yeah. the door and and help you through that process Amazon's working or, on that, right? or, you know, maybe automation and locks could, you know, uh, potentially uh, drive that future quicker. There was there, is there kind of a, a core value that the agents themselves are providing that isn't replaceable with uh, a robot opening the door for you? I think so. I think, uh, you know, having that experience of what's going on in the market is definitely an asset, uh, you know, especially for renters who are new to the market and, you know, are unfamiliar with the neighborhood that they're moving to or, uh, you know, just for example, like simple things like you could waste your your time seeing 10 buildings that don't accept pets and meanwhile you have a dog and you have to go through all of that headache uh and and at some point data can streamline a lot of that but still you know getting understanding and having someone else's perspective of the experience of living in that building is definitely helpful now when you you were talking earlier about transparency transparency of data sharing yeah. of data mm -hmm. do you feel that the local associations in you know local geographies are are they they try to control the data, but they aren't actually helping consumers by not providing all that data. I think that for us, we're just trying to give you a sense of like when you see a listing, you see, you know, how many interested renters there are, how many roommates are actually interested. Uh, so th I think there's been a lot of like fictitious. Um, what's the word? Uh, demand, you know what I mean? That really isn't there and uh as a way of you know driving a sale and i think we can really you know have more transparency around just all of the facts that are surrounding the property uh and and a lot of that can be also aggregated by other renters so it cannot just be reliant on the brokers uh telling you that information so for example walk scores right they're often wrong and uh, on, on like a, a brokerage website or, you know. Um, what is a walk score for those? Just the, the distance from transportation, uh, you know, from the train to, the, to uh, the, the, the apartment or even is just how they're advertising the walk score, you know, oh, 10 minute walk to the L train. And so I think, I think there's, a, there's a lot that can be done in, in, in providing transparency to renters to improve it's, it, experience. It seems like there's a lot of opportunities for, for humans who have their incentives um, to kind of drive things like, oh, it's really close to the train. And, and in mm -hmm. reality, maybe it's not. So the, it seems like in many ways the opportunity is there for that, for data to create the transparency to potentially offset some of the human, uh, you know, 
malintent, so to speak, to try to close a deal and, and maybe fudge some of the numbers. And again, that's why we're giving renters control over the application and negotiation and payment process, because at the end of the the, uh, the showing, now you can choose when you want to, you know, how much you want to pay, uh, uh, how many months you want to live there, you know, and you're in control over the application and payment process. And so you're not having to get dragged into an office or have high pressure, closed situations. You're able to navigate that because I don't think that is the, the, the part of which a broker should be in that process. And, and you mentioned payments in the application process, you know, mm-hmm. repeatedly. It, is that something that actually leads to a greater experience? Is that leading to, you know, more repeat customers over the years now that you've had a, multiple years of, of life cycle, you know, people rent for a year or two and then go to find a new place, upgrade, life change. How has that sort of payment made a stickier customer for the long run? So great technology takes a long time to build is what I've found. And for us, the clients are coming back because we're like definitely an alternative uh, towards traditional firms for sure. And the fact that we have a roommate network, but only this year we launched and, and only eight weeks ago, we launched online applications. Uh, and a 2016, June, 2016, we launched our Nookland pay. So it's still fairly new. Um, we've processed $11 million through Nookland pay this year and, uh, 17 million total. So given the choice, uh, about 75% of the time renters choose to pay through Nookland Pay. And are, how are they paying? Are they using, you know, connecting your bank account and ACH or are they able to use credit cards or other things that kind of really transform yeah. the way that, you know, the, the payment side of the real estate yeah. world works? Credit card and ACH primarily, I'd say my like 60, 70% flyer ACH. Miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But more on the ACH side for sure. Any, uh, any ideas of going into Bitcoin or any of these crazy cryptos? I've been thinking about it. It's uh, it's something that I'm, I'm. If it stabilizes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's not crazy, Tom. It's yeah. the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll continue with more of uh, our discussion with uh, Harley and how Nooklin is moving beyond Brooklyn uh, into other parts of New York and uh, other states. Uh, but first, uh, Harley's been kind enough to uh, bring a snack for us, which is you know become a custom on the show where people we can break bread with our guests. Uh, Harley, what did you bring for us to share today? Uh, I brought you guys a bunch of snacks from Juice Press. Um, when I met my wife, I went vegan, and so I brought you a bunch of vegan food. <laughs> uh, and I'm definitely on like a little health kick at the moment. So. All, right. All right, let's uh, see what we got here. I see raw vegan falafel. Yes. So just to confirm... You went not only vegan, which is, that's love, if yeah, you ask yeah. me, but, but raw as well? Uh, everything here is raw, yes. We got some raw falafels, some raw chocolates. I got some ginger shots, because I know everyone's about to uh, head off to Thanksgiving. and uh, You need something. Yeah, to... you're going to need your, you know, going to be around everyone, the whole family, so. Did you got some... Did she convince you to go vegan, or was the, it more of a... I've, I've been going on woo her, woo her over. Yeah, I've, I've been going on juice cleanses for a while and 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 kind of like little raw food tangents, but uh, so it was pretty easy. And she's a great cook, so that that sealed the deal for me. I was like, you know. I'm about to tap into something called the ginger fireball, which as a redhead is something that I myself have been called before. So nice. let's give this bad boy a shot. <laughs> what would you like? Uh, the ginger, yeah, ginger yeah. would be great. Thank Holy you. crap, that is hot. Thanks so much. Would you like one? <laughs> This one's a rehab shot. Ginger, lemon, and cayenne. Wow. Yeah. 
Has it been challenging to get into a, uh, a raw and vegan diet? Is that a big transformation from where you had been in your life before? I mean, I mostly eat vegan. Yeah. Not always Previously raw. before... No. Before your wife? No, no. Before my wife, I was eating uh, everything, but I was going on a lot of juice cleanses. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm very familiar with it. But now it's just permanent. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Second, once you get past the, uh, the shock of the yeah. fireball part, it's yeah. pretty solid. Uh, on that note, uh, we'll finish up our ginger shots here, and uh, we'll be right back. Real estate is your business is presented by Preview. Find out how smart home buyers get more with Preview by visiting previewapp.com backslash buyer. That's P-R-E-V-U-A-P-P dot com backslash buyer. Keep up with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Real Estate Biz Show and with hashtag MouthMedia. Plus, check out all of the MouthMedia Network shows at MouthMediaNetwork.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Harley, you shared a great amount about the platform and how Nooklin's changing your approach to being more transparent, creating a better experience. And you've done a fantastic job in Brooklyn so far. How do you envision the growth from here? So I'd preference and say that uh, we're on a mission to fix the experience of finding apartments and roommates, and that's really what drives us. And since 2015, we've moved over 17,000 renters and processed 37.9 million in in rental payments. Uh, What we do know is that to take on a market, a new market, and what we did early on was we got about 200 listings and a hundred agents, uh, and those are two hundred exclusive listings and a hundred agents. There's obviously some uh, open listings within that, and that's really what builds the foundation of the business. And so that's what we're core, our core focus on the Manhattan expansion right now is ramping up to a hundred agents and ramping up our exclusive listing base. So we've only been in Manhattan. We just launched uh, our Manhattan office last week. We were already pitching an 89-unit building in the Lower East Side or East Village. And, uh, you know, we already have some exclusives on the Upper West Side and in the East Village uh, already. And I would say that we really try to build a business before we even enter a market. So we already had deal flow coming in uh, on the Manhattan side. So we're already doing a few deals every month, which really helped, uh, you know. uh, and, And on the roommate side, Tons of our roommates were looking for Manhattan roommates. And so that was a big indicator that this is the market we have to focus on. We thought about going into other markets, but I've seen so many companies raise capital and move into too many markets too quickly and didn't have a focus. And so our focus is really taking over Brooklyn and Manhattan and then leveraging that into other markets. And that's how I see our expansion plan. And how did you discover that that 200 listing number was the sort of magic number to make progress in a, in a new sort of geography or neighborhood? I think that's just about looking back at what how what, what happened in the beginning. Because in the beginning, my partner Joseph uh, brought in a good amount of listings. I brought in a good amount of listings and a few uh, recruits that I brought in at that time. And that's what we're doing in Manhattan as well. I'm reaching out to all my Manhattan, I mean, my Brooklyn landlords, because a lot of them have uh, portfolios in Manhattan as well. And so we're, you know, I'm, I'm really leading the listing acquisition side uh, as well as the recruiting side, personally. 
Is it a different challenge expanding within Brooklyn, where there's a lot of uh, kind of growth and expansion, versus Manhattan, which has obviously been well-established with major players for years in the real estate market? Yes, and it's definitely been challenging uh, that the basically in Brooklyn, you go and find listings generally, and then you go and, and uh, find renters. And in Manhattan, a lot of people are finding renters and then going door to door to open listings. Uh, but the market, again, since uh, there's been a lot of movement and change in the market in terms of where people are advertising, provides a big opportunity for us. 49,000 renters visit Nookland's platform every month, which gives us a huge advantage over any traditional firm moving into the Manhattan market. So I'm very confident that we'll be successful in this market. And, and what are landlords looking for when they decide to work with one platform versus another? Landlords want their apartments rented fast. That's the primary goal. Yeah. And do they see any advantage of working with, you know, a Nooklin versus a, you know, a Corcoran versus a City Habitats? Absolutely. Uh, one of the the things I think landlords are starting to realize more and more, especially as some of their offspring come into, you know, management on uh, the portfolio side, really is that. Um, like especially in the shared housing sector, it, we have a lot of interest. So our early adopters on the on the landlord side in Brooklyn and Manhattan are people who are interested in uh, the fact that we have roommates on our platform and the fact that we are into the shared housing space as a whole and the fact that we can facilitate transactions for shared housing. And so I think that interest uh, and the, the emerging interest into real estate technology as a space uh, definitely has, is helping us. And you mentioned you're looking to acquire a hundred agents in the Manhattan market. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you even begin that process? You know, compared to what you did in Brooklyn. Um. Well, our goal this year is to hire 375 agents total, additional. Uh, right now, we have 250. What um, is that goal driven by? By the way, that's a you know a large but semi-arbitrary number, or is there something specifically that you kind of peg to? This is 375 is the right number. We're doubling how many people we hired this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a little bit over double that what we did this year. And and how do you go about recruiting talent when agents have a lot of choice as far as which agency they go to work with, whether it's an established agency or a mm-hmm. technology-oriented agency? How do you go out and recruit uh, and bring those people in? It's fortunate that a lot of people are coming to us and coming to our platform. And so a, a lot of the times I'm just logging into like we have a jobs page and I'm go- sifting through, you know, leads that came in through the jobs page. I reach out to a lot of people personally. I throw a lot of events and I think events drive the business. I threw an event at uh, one of our investors hotels uh, last uh, month. What kind of an event? Uh, that was to launch our Manhattan uh um, office. So it'd be a launch party yeah. of sorts? Yeah, we had a launch party on the rooftop of my friend's hotel. It was called Made Hotel, um, just recently opened. And um, and like, you know, 250 agents came to that event. And so I think, you know, we're an interesting company. We have interesting, we have an interesting brand and culture. And I think people see that and are intrigued by it. And I think more and more it, that helps us uh, recruit. What's what's something interesting about the culture? Well, on the culture side, uh, like I said, we're very collaborative, which is unlike, you know, traditional firms are, are like, you know, if you have a listing, like people within the firm have to call one another to see the listing. And, and at our 
uh, at our startup, we allow everyone to work every listing. And it's very, very different. And so what we found is actually that we close more deals because our agents are more efficient because they can say, hey, uh, I'm booked this afternoon. Can you take this lead? Let's split it 50-50. And that is not, you know, that doesn't happen Let's normally. normally team sport. Yeah. And so I'd say about at least half of our deals are split between more than two agents. And uh, some people are better at paperwork. Some people are better at, you know, there's different areas that people are have strengths in. And, uh, you know, so that really helps. Does the does the compensation structure make this collaboration more pop, like more of a regular occurrence? I think that people realize that you can't be everywhere at once, once they start. And that's the biggest driver. If you're upstate visiting your parents and somebody calls your phone and wants to see an apartment today, you're, you you have the choice to give it to a, you know, um, a coworker or ditch the lead. And in that case, they'll go to a competitor. Now, if if I were an agent and I was at, you know, this, this cool rooftop event, which, you know, all these people mm-hmm. are there, how how would you describe to an agent how they would be compensated with Nooklin versus, you know, an established firm? In terms of like commission structure? Commission structure. Is it, do you have a, yeah. a differing sort of model or is it, you know, do you follow the same ideals, just provide different technology? I think, yeah, our core asset is the technology, not, I mean, like commission structure is, is fairly straightforward. It's pretty much the same that you would get in most of the uh, industry. Um, so they're very, we have a very competitive commission model. Uh and but our, our value is definitely that we provide leads and uh, relationships for listings. Um, you know, so we're feeding a lot of listings to our our uh, our agents as well as you know leads through our platform. And how how do you guys decide which of the agents are getting a given lead? Uh, so we can track everyone's perf- work performance. Like I can track literally like their closing ratios and, and different metrics. So there's a few ways we go by. Uh, number one is, do you show up? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, honestly, the simple, like, do you log into the platform? Do you show up to work every day? Um, but yeah, I mean, we're working on, on a, an automated approach to that, uh, which will be needed in the future for us. Now, is it the idea of a real estate agent tends to be sometimes a part-time gig for some people mm-hmm. or it tends to be yep. more of a re- remote worker yep. sort of gig. How do you keep track of, of that? How do you think about the amount of time they have to be in the office versus out of the office? We encourage, you know, people to go in and, and you know, uh, accom- try to accomplish their dreams. I mean, there are so many people who are... Uh, comedians and you know uh in fashion tech you know all sorts of different areas that they're pursuing and this gives them a way to pay their bills i mean for example i have one friend who lives in la works for uh, a managed property manager out there and he'll come in for a month and close 10 15 deals uh in the middle of the summer and then just go back uh, to la for the rest of the year and i mean there's that's not uncommon um so you know it we definitely support uh, people, you know, in, in the careers that they want to, you know, pursue. Is there any downside to that from the kind of the customer experience side, from the renter side, where on the one hand, I, I absolutely applaud the idea that every agent should be able to pursue their dreams, and this is an avenue to do so, but do you ever see the flip side from a customer saying, you know what, my 
the agent I'm working with isn't isn't there when I need them, or they're they're not as professional and knowledgeable or what have you as I need. Very very rarely, and if so, we address it immediately. Um, but no, I think most of the time people are identifying with the fact that oh, I'm also in comedy or I'm also in fashion, and I think it's it, it's really complements us more than it hurts. Is that something that you find a lot of that kind of personal connection driving part of the, you know, otherwise very transactional real estate uh, game? Uh, the idea that I'm a comedian and I'm going to buy or rent my next apartment from another comedian, does that change things? Well, it's just relation relationships as well. I mean, if you're out at the comedy club and you, you know, meet 10 pe- renters who need an apartment, they know 10 other renters and vice, you know, and that, that can go on for a new niche here. You know? Yeah. I mean, you could, you could start a whole stand up back on, uh, yeah. on the real estate game. We, we have somebody who did. I thought it was more of a drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harley, this has been a fantastic look into not only Nooklin, but also your, your sort of growth plan. But next, we're going to take a, a little bit deeper dive into you, Harley, the person. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back right after this. Check out Sennheiser's latest Bluetooth in-ear headphones, the HD1 Free. Premium materials and flawless craftsmanship combined with stunning Sennheiser sound all in one small and wireless package. And we're not kidding. This makes a great gift. Learn more at Sennheiser.com. And our listeners can get a 25% discount with the code MouthMediaSen at checkout. That's MouthMediaSenN. Harley, we're going to take a moment to get a little bit more personal with you and hear your mm-hmm. thoughts uh, about what makes you the unique person that you are. And you'd mentioned earlier about starting your own skateboard company, you know, yeah. building skateboards, etc. Obviously, you know, you've probably done a bit of uh, skateboarding yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is your favorite uh, skateboarder? My favorite skateboarder? Well, growing up, my favorite skateboarder was probably... Andrew Reynolds, uh, who's now the founder of Baker Skateboards, uh, and Muska, Chad Muska. Do you ever miss skateboarding at all? Do you still regularly skateboard? Uh, I do skateboard. Uh, I broke my elbow this year, so um, I haven't been on my board lately. You also have uh, another reason to not be on your board lately. You just have a new a new daughter, right? I do, yes. Uh, and her name's also Harley? Her name is Harley June, yeah. Does that ever get confusing? Is there, it she is, doesn't really respond we, yet to we, her name. We call her June, so it's a little easier. Uh, yeah. yeah. Kind of like a George Foreman style thing. You just yeah. need to have a bunch of other Harleys. Yeah, my, my wife really wanted her to be named Harley. Nice. So, yeah. no, that's that's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Do, mm-hmm. do, you, did you, do you have any other nicknames that you know, your wife calls you that are you know, for su- suitable for uh, the mic? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious how you got into creating skateboards, right? So it seems like there's a big difference mm-hmm. between being a participant in a sport and then actually creating the the gear for it? Were you a woodworker or how did you get into that? So I was in, when I was in high school, I was always reading, you know, all the magazines, Thrasher and uh, Slap. And there was all these really cool skateboard publications at the time. And I really was in love with the advertising, you know, more and more I thought about it. It was like, I, I just saw like, 
my brand in the magazine and that's what like really drove me and so i i went through the dictionary and landed on the word substance and that was the name of the skateboard company uh and then i went to staples and bought a thousand stickers or something like that and i started putting them all over the city and then people started asking me questions like what substance when is this coming when are you going to print boards and so uh and it kind of created this demand for a product that didn't exist and so i printed a few started selling them then I got into trouble after school and then I got back into the, like, that was still like, I never left my mind. Wait, so you, you started selling a product before you had anything to yeah, sell. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That seems like actually a kind of standard fare in the tech industry these days, probably yeah. somewhat progressive in yeah. the skateboarding world back in, in the day. A, a little bit. I mean, I was, I was definitely like, I went kind of down the rabbit hole, so to speak of when I got into the skateboard industry, I learned everything about it, you know? where people were producing boards, what the margins were, you know, just really got interested in every aspect it, uh, of that industry. And uh, what I learned as a whole, though, is, is that, that, you know, there's seven layers of plywood and a graphic, and there's not much you can do to differentiate yourself from the hundreds or thousands of other skateboard companies in the market. And so it's really, really hard to sell skateboards. It seems like there's probably a story there about there's you know, very similar things connecting all the different real estate companies out there. And yet mm -hmm. it's, and it's hard to differentiate, but it's exactly what you're doing right now. Exactly. But here we have technology and in, in skateboarding so far that hasn't been too applicable. Yeah. yeah. Are there any other lessons though that you take from your early entrepreneurial experiences that you're applying now to Nooklin? I mean, definitely having to like, uh, you know, I think there's two areas like definitely having my skateboard company fail and, you know, really having to pick myself back up and kind of like losing all of my friends in that situation. Cause like, I think more than once in my life, I've had to kind of get rid of everybody I've known. What happened? Just, you know, when you have a skateboard company and then don't all of a sudden, you know, everyone's just like, Oh, you know, whatever. Did it just not work out or something? No, no, nothing like the tragic company? happened. It's just that, you know, you're, you're one day in the industry and mm. then the next day you're not in the industry. And so you're no longer going to the events. You're no longer going to those parties. And, you know, you just kind of fade away from all of those people. And, and especially when you're trying to pick yourself back up and like, that's I had to do, you know, more than once in my life. And so, yeah. So I think I, I, I bring that scrappiness to uh, Nooklin. And I, I was curious about something. You've created this great platform. It's it's seamless to find an apartment, mm -hmm. and your agents create this great experience for people. What was your worst experience trying to find an apartment to rent or, or to buy? Yeah. So my worst experience was I moved in uh, to an apartment with a, a police officer, and uh, and in a, in a, in a desperate time, I needed a place. And, uh, so I moved in, uh, I moved in with a police officer. I can and, only imagine some of the issues that a, the skateboard culture brings to moving yeah. in with the cops. Yeah. <laughs> and so I moved in with a police officer and, uh, and this party animal dude, and, uh, they stopped paying rent immediately. And I, I had to, you know, um, get my name off of the lease. And, uh, it was very, very challenging. And that happened twice i got evicted out of an apartment before that and i had to sell my van so in one year i got evicted out of two apartments and that was also due to my roommates in the other apartment uh so yeah i mean I, i've definitely gone through a lot of the challenges that renters go through and like having to fill a room last minute and having to sift through renters like i remember i 
the guy who replaced me was like a weird techno DJ from Long Island. And like, he scared me to even meet him in person. Like, it was just like, you know, like a little bit of the bridge and tunnel crowd. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like, uh, so it was definitely, you know, going through that process is, is definitely, uh, driven me to make the experience better. I bet, I bet that's probably, uh, something behind the pay, the payment side of your business, uh, making it a little more, uh, and you also mentioned that you have a roommate's product too. Sounds yeah. like that's infected the decision to create a product to connect roommates together. Yeah. So early on, we were connecting roommates kind of more manually, having like roommate open houses. We still do this to this day, but we have a roommate platform on our uh, built into the site. So renters are signing up six months to a year before their move in date. They're giving us a description of themselves, their name, pictures of their pets. Uh, their budget, their location, and they're messaging other renters on the platform. Because if you think about it, when renters are in that state of, uh, or like when you think about going back to the point of which you were looking for an apartment, you're thinking, oh, I could sublet, oh, I could find a room, oh, I could find a new apartment. You know, you're going through all of the different variables of of what you could do. And so that gives people a place to live and do that until they have a decision made. Um, And whether that be being moving into with a a roommate as like a temporary situation or, you know, finding an apartment through our service. And given your experience, both as a a roommate with challenging roommates and Mm -hmm. trying to match up others, what makes for good roommate pairings and what makes for terrible roommate pairings? I mean, for us, it's all safety. So we have, you know, Facebook uh, verified, uh, you know, everybody in the platform is Facebook verified and we're going to do some other verifications uh, soon. And so I think, you know, safety is probably the biggest concern. And in addition to the actual apartments themselves, where you live is, is, is a big important thing. And obviously you could probably say you're an expert on, on Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of your favorite restaurants in Brooklyn? My favorite restaurants are Bunna Cafe, which is a vegan Ethiopian restaurant. Uh, Champs Diner is really good. Toad Style is really good. Um, those are kind of like uh, vegan burger places. Uh, and Poly G's. Poly G's is awesome. Poly G's is both vegan and non-vegan pizza. And it's my favorite pizza in, in Brooklyn. Interesting. I'm going to have to check a few of those uh, places out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Thank you for, mm-hmm. for sharing a little bit about uh, yourself uh, we like to give all of our guests an opportunity to leave us with a, a last uh, final thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what would you like to, to share with all of us? I guess I'll share our, our kind of plans for the future, which are uh, soon we'll be launching post a listing, which is going to allow uh, both landlords and renters to post a bedroom, an apartment, a sublet, uh, and use our software to manage that workflow. And so we're very, very excited about that. I think this will be, you know, a time that for now we can onboard uh, a whole different set of people who uh, on the listing side and uh, and monthly rent. We're going to be allowing renters to pay their monthly rent through the platform, which I think is a big friction having to, you know, stand on line at the bank and, and mail your check every month. That's uh, that sounds exciting. Uh, yep. We look forward to, to seeing all those uh, those new yeah. features. How can we connect with the brand and you, Harley? Uh, I'm very responsive on LinkedIn, very responsive on Instagram. So you can find us on Instagram at, at Nooklin. My personal is at Gnarly Courts. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you have any questions here, reach out to me. 
Awesome. Thank you, Nate. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us yeah. uh, Thanks today. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. There's a fantastic conversation. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for, for joining us today. Uh, for Scott, Hello. I'm Tom, and this is Real Estate Is Your Business. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.